With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined with A. Sherrod Blakely, as always. How you doing today, Sherrod? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. And I'm, I'm so excited about our guests because last time we had this, this, this young fellow on, we had some technical difficulties. And you know what? We're probably going to have some more technical difficulties now. So I'm going to blame <laughs> you. I'm going to blame wow. him. I'm going to okay. blame anyone because I'm all about blaming anyone and everyone blame else. Except, except me. Because okay. I'm blameless, obviously. Always. Uh, no, this I'm, I'm excited about this podcast. I mean, we're obviously going to be talking about the NBA Finals, and we're going to have Sam Amick of The Athletic, uh, who is literally on the run as we speak mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Exactly. So we'll live. Talk this is live in the field. It yes. Yes. This is, this, is, this is going to be so, like, real time, like you haven't seen real time exactly. in our podcast existence. <laughs> but we'll obviously get into the NBA Finals and just, you know, you're looking at Phoenix, you're looking at Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis, you know, questionable, mm-hmm. not just for game one, but just for the series for that matter. What's your take on, on this uh, Finals matchup? What do you? How are you looking at it? Well, for one, I think it's a very interesting matchup. The fact that none of us could have predicted the two teams that would make it to the final showdown, so to speak. The fact that Giannis has been upgraded to the point where he might play makes the series more interesting because we don't want to watch this series without having the best of the best go up against each other and really make it a fair matchup. Yeah, that's what you want to see. But I, I really give both of these teams a lot of credit because they have had injuries in the postseason and have been finding ways to just navigate through that and keep their seasons alive. I love what this Phoenix team is doing. I love the fact yeah. that you've got Chris Paul seeking that first chip. Finally. And, and, and you know, and, and low key, there's a certain Boston Celtics flavor to that Phoenix Suns team. When you talk about Abdul Nader, you talk about good friend Jay Crowder. Crowder. Like Jay Crowder, like winning is where he is wherever he's at, he's winning. So yes. there's a lot of intrigue with, with this team and, and that Milwaukee Bucks team, you know, you, you look at how they've been able to progress to where they're at. They or very close to potentially having a, a possible coaching change, but didn't get it done this year and get yeah. them this far. So yeah. that team is certainly a uh, one to watch out for. And obviously for us, um, I want to hear more about this matchup. And I think we've, we've got our, our buddy Sam is ready to roll now, I believe. This is live and direct from Phoenix. He's literally in Phoenix as we speak. Uh, heading heading over to the game and things like that. Well, obviously we had some crazy technical difficulties last time you were on, Sam. But this is even better. Um, so obviously, <laughs> Man, it's, I have it's a about high guest. I need to clean my exactly. Hat here. I'm sorry, Sharad's blaming me and you for the technical difficulties. You absolutely, absolutely. Blame himself. <laughs> That's the kind of team that you are, Sharad. Come on, man. Uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of teammates, uh, you look at the, the teammates involved in this playoffs, this the final series with the Suns and with the Bucks. Sam, what's your just general take on, on this matchup and, and just how this thing is going to play out the way you see it? 
I think it could be really good. Obviously, as we sit here in real time, getting closer to game one, you've got the Giannis, you know, question front and center. Not only is he going to play, but we were talking about it last night with some of our, our media friends over dinner, that idea that it's one thing if somebody gets back on the floor. We've seen with Chris Paul and guys like that, even Donovan Mitchell, if you're not right and you're trying to get, um, you know, the NBA play alone, the finals is a pretty tough place to do that. You know what I mean? So, so Giannis, if he was back tonight, that doesn't mean it's a two-time MVP. It's a guy who who pushed to play. So independent of that, I think it could be a really long series. I, I feel like you have these two teams that at their best are some of the best in the league, but they're both wildly inconsistent. A lot of the role players, you know, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, you know, all the way down the line, they're not the, the type of kind of, you know, last year we're looking at LeBron and the Lakers pretty consistent all the way through. Before that, the Warriors and the Cavs and, and the level of play that they would give you in the postseason was pretty consistent. I think more kind of variance with these two squads, and, and because of that, maybe a very long, interesting up-and-down series. Yeah, the, the, go ahead, Juani. Wait, Giannis' status still up the, in the air. Do you think Milwaukee has a shot at this series without him? I do. I, it's weird. I, I like, Juani, the, the fact that Giannis is Giannis. He's fantastic. But when he's out, in a weird way, it's, it's kind of like some of those superpowers for the other guys, you know, get elevated. You know, Chris Middleton led the way late in the last series. Uh, Drew Holiday, who I, you know, when they picked him up last offseason, I love that fit. Two-way player, long, you know, culture guy, all those things. But how many times did you watch the Bucks when Giannis was on the floor and just kind of wish that Drew gave you a little more? Like him doing what he does best in the context of that group has not always been, you know, him at his best. And so that's a long answer to the question. I do think they could catch these sons for one, two games without Giannis if they didn't have them. They, I think they do have that capability. Yeah, the, the weird thing about that is that when, when I think about Drew Holiday, who I, I to me, I, I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA when you look at his ability to play both ends of the floor. But when I watch him play, him and Giannis – and I don't understand why this is. They There isn't a natural fit with those two guys, even though I would think that what, what Drew's capable of doing, when we've seen him do it, you know, before even before he got to Milwaukee, and we know what Giannis can do, I would have thought that their pairing would have been a little bit smoother, a little bit more crisp, and it just hasn't been that way. Uh, to me, the saving grace for that team has been Chris Middleton, who really is like right. a number two guy on your roster who has played like a 1B for a lot of the right. postseason. Hundred percent. I mean, the Drew thing is—it's funny. I, I want to keep learning more about the internal dynamics with the Bucks because you hear stuff from time to time that a lot of it is Giannis in the way he wants to play, that he wants the ball in his hands, and he wants to be part of pick and roll. And and it's that's why that you know Drew doesn't necessarily get to do his thing until Giannis is off the floor, and that has been the push and pull with Mike Budenholzer. And I think at times you know he's been. Uh, subject to some fair criticism about his, you know, inability to send that message to Giannis that, hey, let's tweak this, tweak that to get more out of Drew and, and put you in the best spot to uh, to be at your best. But it's been a tough fit, but you can't kill him too much. They're in the finals. They made it through during this kind of injury-ravaged postseason, and, and here they are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the finals, and that's a good thing for them. For fans – not sure about that. All of us have been around the NBA long enough to know that this time of year, you get this almost this like this sweltering of the casual basketball fan because mm-hmm. that's just what happens when the NBA finals rolls around. 
And right. we've gotten used to being casually entertained by LeBron and whoever the heck he's dragging to the finals that year. There's no LeBron. You don't have the, your typical – you don't have a Kawhi Leonard. You don't have the guys that we're accustomed to seeing this time of year. And we've got two teams that aren't traditionally in the conversation for the last team standing the way these guys are. How do you think this is going to play out with your casual fan? And if you had to convince the casual fan why they should pay attention to this finals, what's your selling pitch? <laughs> Man, you, my Tim Frank out here? What's the exactly? Exactly. I'm trying, create, I'm trying to create some multiple streams of income here for you. I like it. Head of NBA PR right here. I mean, <laughs> listen, Giannis is already a global superstar, so I don't think you have to sell people on him. Love him. I mean, I, hopefully folks don't hate him. He's a hell of a player. He's got his imperfections. But Giannis, people know, if you're selling it, uh, I'd be looking at, at, at Mr. Booker. I mean, to me, Devin Booker is a guy that, it's just if you enjoy the game, how do you not enjoy what he does? And I love the narrative or, or kind of the subplot of not to go too far back in the history books, but, you know, 2011, Chris Paul thinks he's headed to the Lakers in a trade to play with his buddy Kobe Bryant, right? And and it's one of the great what-ifs of NBA lore. And I just love the idea that all these years later, you got a young guy in Devin Booker who became fairly close with Kobe before he passed, has a tattoo on his arm that says, be legendary that was inspired by something that Kobe told him. And then now you have a very similar, you know, backcourt stylistically to the one that we never got to see between Chris Paul and that pairing is a lot of fun. Then not only in his talents, but the world in the mainstream audience is getting to see his wiring and his mentality. I mean, the other day, media day, he talks about, you know, coming close to throwing hands with Chris early on in their time together in Phoenix and the way they would battle in the post. And he is, he's a dog and the kind of guy that, you know, all across the league, you guys know this, so, you know, young stars in small markets. Now, Phoenix is not as small as people think, but it's, you know, it's not New York, it's not LA. But, you know, these guys get frustrated after a couple of years and they're looking for a place to go to go get to this level. Devin basically said, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to sign the extension and I'm going to get people to come with me. And, and Chris ultimately was that guy, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, you know, homegrown and doing good things. So Devin to me is, is the guy that is going to have the spotlight. And I think, you know, make the most of it. I, the thing I love about Devin is that um, when you're that young and you're that talented, people assume that you're going to just frankly let your talent carry you. But he's got a level of toughness that I did not anticipate seeing. I mean, getting in the Joker's face, not just getting in the Joker's face, but in the back of your mind, knowing the people that the Joker rolls with, his family. Let's be honest, that is not the dude that you're going to roll with. He is not that dude. And yet Devin Booker is in his grill. And then speaking of grill, Devin gets his nose busted open. And he's still balling. Yeah. Much right. respect right. to Devin Booker and much respect to our sponsor, betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. Check all the action. Get all the latest news, odds, info, and all your sporting needs. Real-time updated odds and props on anything and everything. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Don't forget these welcome bonus code CLNS50, CLNS50 to receive 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Now, Sam, the, the Celtics have a new coach. 
Yeah. <laughs> One, finish I my like sentence. That that's how I want to stick like that. Finish yeah. my sentence. So Aime Doka, I'm sure you're familiar with, is now the yep. new Celtics head coach. You were covering, I think, the Sacramento Kings around the time when he was there. What do you I remember was- about him? He's just one of the, the the kind of realest guys that I've covered. Uh, I remember running into Ime years and years later, uh, you know, after his playing career at the Staples Center. And I forget at that point exactly what he was doing. But um, being, if I'm being honest, being flattered by the level of kindness that he showed all those years later and how he remembered me and I wanted to know how I was doing. And so we kind of reconnected then. I've kept in touch. And, and I love his coaching story. You know, he's a role player during his playing career, right? And we've seen that that can a lot of times lead to, to very good coaching. These guys had to learn how to navigate their way through a locker room and deal with superstars, but then inspire, you know, the guys at the end of the bench too and be that connected mm-hmm. tissue. And with Ime, uh, his level of focus as a player and kind of making the most of the talent he had is something that I think is going to translate to getting the most out of his players. And his coaching story, you know, and I know a lot of stories are being written about him right now. The the part that doesn't get highlighted that much that I love is that he was playing overseas post NBA, still making money internationally. And he gets a call from the one and essentially gets that first offer to be an assistant coach in the NBA. And he had the wherewithal and the wisdom to to basically know you don't say no to pop. And and if you want to be a coach, you need to go kind of learn. So did that. And I'm happy for him to see it pay off. I think he's a, a good fit with the Celtics and the team USA component, as you guys know, is I think an X factor here is his ability to establish relationships with guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and get these guys respect, but he's not one of you guys have seen. There are coaches who they establish the relationships with some of the stars, but you have that vibe of like, man, they're kind of really hustling to get that connection in order to advance their own career, as opposed to a more genuine thing where eBay, I, I really think has in small ways helped all these different guys and they kind of just have all decided they support him. And, and, uh, and I think he'll be a really good fit. And the thing about Sam, for, for those who don't realize you, you're going to hear a lot of folks say lots of positive things about Udoka as a head coach today, but Sam, and we're going to pull it up in a, in a minute now. Sam called it back in 2016 that Yudoka is someone that we need to be looking out for as a head coach. And when I pulled that tweet out of the, the Sam Amick, you know, uh, you know, vault, I was like, man, I got to bring this up to him. Do you remember just uh, what was it in that moment? Because obviously at that point, he hadn't really done a ton from an assistant coaching right. standpoint. But there was something that you must have saw or you sensed in him that made you put that tweet out. What 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 do you remember about him before, you know, he kind of got, in, you know, enthralled in a Popovich, you know, program that made you think that he would be someone that could be a, a pretty good head coach one day? First of all, Sherrod, thanks for bringing that up. I, I don't get much right. I don't even remember tweeting that. So I take your word for it. You know, 2016, you know, baby. Nice, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's probably, you know, that that part of his story that I already knew at that time was impressive. And then. You know, I remember he was real tight with LaMarcus Aldridge uh, from their time in Portland together. And I remember being a little bit struck by Aldridge's attitude towards Ime, where it was like, oh, this is not just like, yeah, he's pretty good with this coach. Like, you know, it was almost as if Pop during that chapter 
really needed Ime to get to LaMarcus. Um, and, and that got my attention. Um, I also think there were playoff runs where, and this is, I think, you know, fine enough to share, where I remember, like, telling Ime, like, hey, we should connect for a beer after the game or something like that. And this is just a sad story. But I remember laughing about the fact that I was like, hey, we're we're over at the Skirvin, uh, you know, Charles Barkley's buying everybody rounds. Come say hello. That's the best Ime, part about the playoffs when Charles is buying drinks. Right. Love that. <laughs> well, but I learned, uh, I learned, you know, and I, I believe I'm accurate in saying this, that he, I believe Ime is a, is a teetotaler. He's not the kind of guy you're going to find at the bar. And, and, and there was a level of focus where it was like, uh, absolutely, Sam, we can have, you know, 27 minutes to go get coffee. And then I got to go back and break down tape and very, very serious of the job. And, and he focused wow. and not in a, not in a, like, you know, you guys, there's some coaches where that stuff gets uh, kind of glamorized, you know, the, the, the guy who shows up at four in the morning and, and then you find out that it, it's all exaggerated, but he's just very yeah. determined and, and has been to get to that next level as a head coach and obviously finally got there. Wow. Well, one of the, uh, and you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, one of the folks that he's going to be working with is uh, Jason Tatum, who eh, it's not bad, not a bad player. Yeah, um, he's got potential. <laughs> he's got, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the thing about Tatum, you know, he's starting to really become more and more of a talking point when you're talking about the best of the best in the NBA. I mean, do you see him at this point being in that, maybe that top tier or is maybe, or is he maybe a rung or two below that upper echelon of players in the league? Where do you see him fitting in right now? It's hard because, you know, normally you got a perennial conference finals participant. And I think the Celtics get, uh, you know, I don't know what it's because of the franchise's history, you know, that mentality of, of all or nothing. You know, maybe getting to the conference finals gets glossed over. But, you know, he's checked that box. He's, he's taken his team pretty far several times. But if I'm being honest, I, I mean, he's, he's a top-tier star, but he's not, you know, he's not on a LeBron level. Um, you know, he's not, I mean, now I don't, I don't even know where to put guys anymore. Jokic had an incredible year. I voted for him MVP. Uh, but you know, Kawhi for a minute was the guy we were calling the best two way player in the game. And that's it for me is, you know, Tatum's amazing, but you know, Celtics and, uh, and Brad Stevens now running that front office, you know, what are they going to put around him to get back to that next level? Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of getting to the next level, um, Mark is smart. Good player. Love Marcus Smart. Coming up on a contract year. Curious, do you think other teams love Marcus Smart as much as the Celtics have up to this point? Is he someone that you could see being in play? And if so, uh, do you see certain fits that might be, be better for him uh, than others? Yeah, I think his market's going to be good. For one, he's one of those guys that we might forget that because he's been doing it at a pretty high level for – several years i feel like everybody acts like he's 32 or 33 you know he's not he's in his prime yeah um and he his intensity and his competitiveness and and the, what he does on the defensive end and and obviously it can be a, a streaky offensive player i think his market trade wise is going to be robust and has been okay to this point you know the celtics fit and you guys certainly would know a lot better than me you do you continually hear you know that noise about you know, they, they have loved him, but, you know, it's kind of like that, that coach who, this is probably a bad parallel, but like, you know, Tom Thibodeau wears on teams pretty quickly, right? So if, mm -hmm. if you're chirping and you're, and you're grinding hard, 
in the locker room. And we've seen these flare-ups with Marcus and the guys, you know, who, to his credit, he's walked this line of he does genuinely seem real close with the guys in the locker room. But I think in that same breath, they would admit that there are just days at the office, you know, where they, they, they get worn out by the way that he goes about the job. And so it feels um, like his time there is, is on the backside and probably nearing an end here. I just, I certainly don't know, you know, where, uh, where he might be headed. Kwani. It's game time. Game time. <laughs> so our first game is fill in the lane. I say a phrase, you fill in the blank for it. Our first one is there's not enough talk about blank in this year's NBA finals. First of all, Kwani, I thought you said Blake, and I'm going, we got to talk about Blake Griffin? <laughs> no. Why are we talking about Very him? Very confused, yeah. <laughs> um, there's not enough talk. Man, I mean, everything's getting talked about. I'm just going to say I personally can't talk about Monty Williams enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, like, we, Paul's impact on this group has been well chronicled. Um I don't know, maybe maybe kind of loop James Jones into that as well. James's decision to hire Monty, it's just the domino effect that unfolded with that group uh, is the type of thing, you know, I don't know what a parallel would be. I don't remember seeing something like this. Like, we had the young franchise player, but he was, you know, bumping his head up against the ceiling because he didn't have help. But now we got the right coach. And the right coach, by the way, uh, you know, has a relationship with the, the right point guard who eventually comes to town. But Monty and his spirit, before Chris even got there, I mean, he legitimately changed the culture and raised the confidence in Devin and all those guys. And and even the way, as an aside, like Robert Sarver has long been known as just one of the worst owners in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And Monty took an approach with Robert that I certainly did not see coming at the time where he he talked about how, listen, uh, I remember Monty told me this one time, you and I both uh, have not been as good at our jobs as we would like to be. And it was kind of this very humanizing approach with Robert. He said, you know, to a degree, we're in the same boat. So why don't we each other and do a better job this time around? Come to this. I didn't see this coming, but I think Monty's just got everything to do with where Phoenix is. It's a good one. So now that NCAA athletes can get compensated, it would have been cool if Blank could have cashed out on his name likeness image when in college. I got recency bias because we see him on TV all the time. But like, I feel like Jalen Rose is the kind of guy that like would have just been swimming oh in his back. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. And you can pick any of them. You know, you got to stick with the five, though. We're not going down to, like, Rob Palenka and, you know, the the bench warmers. But, um, yeah, I mean, Jalen, especially, probably struck by the way that that he's moved in his media career, where he, Mm -hmm. you know, when kind of given that freedom to maximize his personality and his history, like he's done that. So, if, if a, a guy like that wasn't hindered, I think he probably would have made the most of it. Yeah, that's a great one. Jalen would have probably wanted to be an owner at this yeah, point. Yeah, he wouldn't even need to really be So much money off in college right. if, not before he got the NBA. Right. right. What else you right, got, right. Money? All right. Our final game is starting five. I'm going to give you a word or phrase, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say it. 
first one, Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would make you laugh. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, we wrote the story. I just, I don't want to be fake. So Bob Bulgaris is, is their, uh, you know, the head of their analytics department that we, we chronicled how he had a lot more power in their front office than people realized. And he's still there. And, and, you know, and it is what it is. Mark Cuban, who I get along well with, you know, Mark decided to jump on Twitter and call the story total BS. And then two days later, the GM resigned. And three days later, the coach resigned and felt pretty confident that we, uh, we, you know, we got the story right. So that's what comes to mind. But I mean, spinning it forward, um, you know, we'll see how this group looks. Nico Harrison coming from Nike is a pretty outside the box, interesting pick to run the front office. Um, you know, it's, it's the kind of parts of what they did, um, are interesting and compelling, but, but we'll see. They've, it's a tough couple years for the Mavs when it comes to the infrastructure and and just the way they operate, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard a lot about them in the last few years. Ben Simmons. Um, shoot. That's it. He just, you know, he just, who's, who, someone's going to, someone's going to make a lot of money, you know, getting his confidence up or maybe it'll never happen. Um, but that's it. You know, it's still a very good player that, that I think, you know, might, if they end up moving him, I don't know if they will, by the way, Daryl Moore is not going to take peanuts for Ben Simmons, but yeah, you know, he's, he's somebody that could still help a ton of teams. The guy's young, all NBA uh, has one major hole in his game, but still does a bunch of stuff a whole lot better than, than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Uh, redemption, I guess. Even if, if even if they don't win the finals, it's just it kind of reached the point where he's shown that they, in the right environment that you know the kind of special player he is, and he can be a special leader. I, I'll be honest; I've been around him at times when I, you know, the stuff you heard was not what you would qualify as as you know impactful leadership. It was you know he had to kind of find his way, and, and there was times when he didn't have a receptive audience with the players around him. So he's had highs and lows in that department, but this is a, it's a redemption story for him um, where, cause it's not just his, him having a good year going vegan, playing well, it's way, way bigger than that. He's, he's, you know, lifting up these young guys, investing in all of them as people in the kind of way that has uh, got a lot to do with what they're doing. Jay Crowder. Uh, underrated. I would yeah. say, you know, like, you know, he uh, he's not, you know, I mean, no one's trying to say it's a Chris Paul type of impact, but Miami sure didn't look the same in certain departments without him. Right. And, and and you see the impact here. I mean, Chris Paul and Devin, I mean, because Devin has shown that even though he hadn't been in the playoffs, you know, he was capable of, of doing it. But like Jay, they needed another veteran. And he's, uh, he's just solid, you know what I mean? And you need a guy to, to guard the Kawhis and the LeBrons and the best wings in the game. And he gave them that for a lot of the year. And also, I don't know Jay well. You hear nothing but really good things. And uh, I saw this adorable video clip today of him talking about his daughter and how after they won the West Finals, his daughter's like seven years old. She already has a cell phone. And, and, uh, and her friends had gotten daddy's phone number and they were all facetiming him to, to, to wish him well yeah <laughs> yeah so he seems like a good, good guy but yeah jay's been kind of a glue guy for what they're doing yeah. and finally the boston celtics 
Uh, I mean, in flux, but but not the type of, you know, normally you hear in flux, it's like, oh, turmoil. And yeah, just, it's a change. It's a time for change. You know, Brad Stevens is, I mean, I will say like, you know, jury's going to be out on, is he any good at that job? Um, you know, I think that's one thing to really look at because you, uh, you know, he's coached his whole career and I know he knows talent, but you know, Mike Zarin, as you guys know, is going to have a lot to do with the, you know, transactional stuff and the relationships and making trade calls and Mike's very, very good. So that part of the teamwork is going to be big, but, uh, you know, influx, I think for me and the Celtics. Well, that's it. We got you all the way to the arena. <laughs> I feel like I should make it. I'll make it official. There's the arena. It's way over there. Yes. There we go. Sam Amick, Thank yeah, so much. thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Be safe out there. You. Appreciate you. Yep. I'll see you, buddy. That timing was that incredible. Was that was fun. That was fun. What was your biggest takeaway from all of the Oh, goodness. Sam, in full disclosure, Sam and I go back about 20 years uh, okay. and and we've always had good rapport and just he's just a really knowledgeable guy. I would say, you know, kind of the stories about Yudoka, he uh, made those stories I thought were really important because he was around him at a time when he was still kind of forming the basis for who he would become. Uh, and Sam had a chance to see him as a player. He saw him in his early stages as a coach and Sam recognized, you know, just that this guy at some point is someone that you need to be on a lookout for to be a head coach someday. And I, I thought that was really insightful and really important because, again, it's easy to jump on the Yudoka bandwagon after he's been in a Popovich program. Then you go to Brooklyn where they've got like, you know, the the baddest big three that we've ever seen or certainly among the best that we've ever seen. But there's so much more to him before he got to that point. And I thought Sam kind of shed a little bit of light on that with some of his stories, you know, about the, you know, kind of meeting folks for drinks. But I only got 27 minutes because I got to get back to video. Yeah. Those type of stories. I, I was I enjoyed that. That's definitely the t- type of focus that any NBA coach should have, but especially one that really is starting this first new chapter of his life and also taking up a franchise that is so storied that is relying on him to succeed in that role. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what you got coming down the pipeline, Kwani A. Lunis? Well, for now, we're still doing 10 questions with NBC 10 Boston. I may have another announcement soon. Uh Stay tuned for that. Until then, head over to NBC10Boston.com slash 10 questions and catch all the so far. We've done the political series, so to speak, of the Boston mayoral candidates. But now I'm shifting gears to the Olympics and trying to get more stories surrounding the local aspect of the Tokyo Olympics. Okay. Okay. And I, and I, I saw you wrote a great piece on Ebony magazine, which is very relevant today. Yeah. Yeah. I had to uh, chime in on the, uh, the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols, uh, ESPN uh, kerfuffle uh, mm-hmm. that they're going through right now. And, and, and that's uh, out there on ebony.com. Uh, check that out. And I'll also still be doing some NBA Finals coverage for Bleacher Report, uh, Boston Sports Journal, uh, as well as you know my usual teaching over at BU. So I am staying active, engaged, and enthralled with oh. this NBA Finals because I'm, I'm really excited to see these two teams at it because someone is getting a chip that very few people thought would at the end exactly. of the day. And, yep. and I mean, I, I mean, 
I want Phoenix to be that team. That's the team that I'm pulling for. That's the team that I would like to see the last one standing. Uh, lots of guys on that team I have a lot of respect for. I love what James Jones has done with that team in his GM role. I had a chance to talk to him a few weeks ago just about the that team coming together. Great, uh, really good guy. Won lots of chips with LeBron. Uh, Monty Williams is just one of those salt-of-the-earth type of coaches. Has been through a lot and has been – he's just – just a really good guy. So uh, lots of good stuff going on with the finals this year. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by AG. If you haven't already, sign up with our code CLNS50. Follow them at AG, And make sure you tag us if you make any big bets, especially now that the NBA finals are here. We'd love to see who you're putting your money on during this series. I already told you, I'm, going, I'm rocking with the He's sun. All in with the sun. <laughs> all signs, all day, all day. For Kwani A. Lunas, I'm A. Shaw Blakely. This is another edition of the A-List Podcast, and we will see you when we see you. Wow. Well.